Welcome to the Film Illiterates Podcast, your home for uninformed, unfiltered, ill-advised movie talk. I'm your host, Joe Campbell, and today with me, as always, is Nate. Hey, everyone. Stone. And Alex. Hey. Patton. <laughs> he just wants to make sure that people know we're the right Nate and the right Alex, because there exactly. could be multiple ones. Uh, guys, did something happen uh, last last week that everyone in the movie world? Uh, I don't know. I mean, there's a some kind of an award ceremony that usually comes up where people just get up on stage, you know, thank themselves and thank others, and then make some kind of political agenda. Oh wow, is it that time of year already? It is. Oh, it was. You're talking about the State of the Union address. That that's yeah, the exactly. one I was talking about. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so since nothing interesting is happening in the movie world, we figured uh, it's, it's been a slow week, so we figured we'd talk about the uh, just random movie topics, you know, any, anything in general. We have our second annual Oscar grab bag episode. That's what it was. Oscars happened. What? I named this after my uncle, Oscar. Oh, you have an uncle named Oscar? Yeah, Why don't you he, tell he, us about he, this? He, he died a long time ago. Oh. I want to honor his name by, um, this is a special grab bag episode for him. Okay, so should we give him an honorary award then for this? It's an honorary award for my pretend uncle, Oscar. <laughs> uh, so how this is going to work is we're just going to choose a random assortment of topics. We have a big old list here of stuff that we've I haven't added to this in a while so it'll be fun to see what pops up here and uh, we're going to limit this to do you guys want five or ten minutes uh, I'd say let's try to do five minutes each okay, I think five. we can get it done so, so it's a five minute quick draw of a special yeah, fun episode okay uh, but before we get into that let's talk about what we've watched on our own recently okay so uh, I'll, I'll, kick, I'll kick things off today go ahead man because yeah I'm just feeling in a really selfish mood You've had quite a week, man. You have quite a week. So I've been going through a kind of a Hong Kong action movie phase. And I've, I, in addition to watching most of the police story movies starring Jackie Chan, I, I watched a John Woo movie recently, which I think would make a great future podcast episode or video. So maybe you'll hear us come back to this again. Uh, it's a movie called Bullet in the Head from 1990. When three close friends escape from Hong Kong to wartime Saigon, to start a criminal's life, they all go through a harrowing experience which totally shatters their lives and their friendship forever. This movie, I kind of just watched on a whim. I checked it out from the Seattle Video Rental Store, Scarecrow Video, because I'd, I saw someone post a screenshot from the movie on Twitter. I thought, that's a cool screenshot. I'm on a Hong Kong movie kick. I'll check this movie out. <laughs> and I my, like like my experience with John Woo really is you know mission impossible to face off that kind of stuff mm -hmm. i don't think i've ever seen any of his uh hong kong movies so i you know i haven't seen hard boiled the killer any of that uh so the first half hour of this movie i really, really wasn't sure that a lot of moving parts a few different characters i was getting characters confused because i watched this subtitle and the subtitles moved by so quickly my eyes are going back and forth from the screen to the words and there's so <laughs> many like, like there's three main characters and they keep interacting and you know they're moving all over the place and i was losing track of who was who and who was marrying who and all that. But then it kicks in at a certain moment, probably about a half hour in. Uh, the movie really becomes about these three friends' experience in uh, Vietnam together. And it became emotionally intense. Uh, John Woo's action style uh, kicks in just his full-on gunplay. The way he shoots gunfights is chaotic, but beautifully chaotic. Mm -hmm. um john woo is to gunfights what jackie chan is to 
uh, martial arts movies where it's just he, he, he's a master at making them look really, really good, mm-hmm. but without having the audience lose track of where they are or, or the geography of, of anything. But the movie is just fantastic. Like, like I was blown away. I think you mentioned to me, Joe, that this is kind of like almost like the Vietnam version of like Deer Hunter. Yeah, yeah. A lot of people actually, you'll see a lot of people online compare this movie to the Deer Hunter. There'll also be uh, uh, comparisons to Apocalypse Now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, both in front of and behind the camera. John Woo has said that this is his Apocalypse Now. Yeah. Because he had so much such a harrowing experience making this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also, I mean, I mean, I mean, when you think of the Deer Hunter, which I actually haven't seen, but I know of the Russian roulette scene. Right. The, this movie. Does. This movie has a version of that sort of thing and it's just one of the most intense things i've ever seen on camera would you say more intense than what we got in the deer hunter well i haven't seen the deer hunters that's thing. true okay well i mean i have so i mean when you pitched this to me joe i was kind of intrigued by this i almost feel like it'd be kind of justifiable to do an actual review of this almost i think it'd be great i would love to talk about this movie more in depth with you guys well, because like this is a side of john Woo we never get to see is this kind of side uh, yeah, it's very dramatic, but it, it, it's very dramatic, very emotional. Mm-hmm. Who are invested in these characters? They go through massive changes in character dynamic. I mean, I mean, greed comes into a large part of the story, and mm-hmm. how friendships change based on their experiences. And on top of that, you got really kick-ass action. Like th- this, this movie is extremely entertaining. <laughs> I was a little bit dubious going into it because it's over two hours long mm-hmm. john woo's original cut for this movie was supposed to be I, th- I think it was like over three hours long oh my god and the studio the studio made him cut it down the I mean, longest he... version i think that exists is like two and a half hours the one i watched was two hours and nine minutes i mean he knows that like, he's just making an action movie this isn't like tree of life or anything like that he doesn't have to go all, all <laughs> board with like gain excess with it this is more than an action movie like like, like this is a, a legit drama like this is this is like a wartime thrilling drama. Wow. With with thrilling gunfights thrown in. I mean, it kind of almost reminds me of that one uh, film that Nick uh, had you review, uh, Sorcerer, where it's kind of like it's a very kind of epic, almost like war tension movie. Yeah, I, 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 I can see that. I mean, I mean, I mean, uh, Sorcerer is a more restrained movie as far as it's, it's not as showy as John yeah. Woo's style, but, but I mean, well, kind of more of just in the scope. Yeah. I would say like in just the storytelling. Okay. And then uh, just uh, two other things I'll talk about quickly because I can talk about them together. Uh, I, so I watched Ace Ventura Pet Detective for the first time. <laughs> Wait, this is your first time watching this it? This is my first wow. time watching it. Okay, so can I ask you, how does it hold? I hated this movie so much. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Why am I not surprised? I really hated I this movie. I'm surprised. You, you're surprised, Alex? I'm. Yeah, I'm surprised you hated it. I mean... I'll kind of admit it. It is one of those comedies you kind of had to grow up during the era where you know Jim Carrey and even Adam Sandler were like at their prime to get the humor and the comedy. But I understand, like for some, it's it's a hit or miss. Like they just don't like the humor. This movie, okay, okay. So unfiltered Jim Carrey works if you can direct him in the right direction. So for mm-hmm. for instance, Dumb and Dumber, it isn't just unfiltered Jim Carrey let loose upon the world. Mm-hmm. This is unfiltered Jim Carrey, or that movie is unfiltered Jim Carrey aimed in a certain direction paired with certain people. Right. Uh, it, it works. Mm-hmm. This movie is unfiltered Jim Carrey on cocaine let loose like a rabid <laughs> raccoon. But here's the thing, like also like, I kind of remember back Jim Carrey in that era, like he was such an interesting ball of energy that I don't think people in Hollywood knew how to deal with it. He's a ball of energy, but I mean, his whole shtick is just, I'm going to make funny faces and say goofy things. Look, now I'm talking with my butt cheeks. Oh, fuck off. 
I know, but <laughs> but at the same time, yeah, you're right. Like it's that kind of stuff. Like if, if that doesn't hit your funny bone in the first ten minutes, then you're gonna hate the movie. Yeah. Uh. So the the next day, I desperately wanted, or I desperately needed to watch a good Jim Carrey movie. <laughs> so I put in the Truman Show. Oh, I was gonna say Eternal okay. Sunshine, but that that's a good choice too. Uh, yeah. Truman Show is uh, 1998. Uh, Truman Burbank is the star of The Truman Show, a 24-hour-a-day reality TV show that broadcasts every aspect of his life without his knowledge. His entire life has been an unending soap opera for consumption for the, by the rest of the world, and everyone he knows, including his wife and his best friend, is really an actor paid to be part of his life. Uh, directed by Peter Weir. Uh, I, this movie holds up. I love this movie. It is delightful. Jim Carrey is as nuanced as Jim Carrey can get, uh, which I, I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I think Jim Carrey works best doing his shtick, but his shtick is again, it's 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 kind of reined in a little bit, and mm-hmm. it's directed in the right areas. Yeah, yeah. he, the emotional scenes are emotional. Mm-hmm. He he wears his emotions on his face. And I think that's part of the reasons the movie works is that the actual plot itself is all about people watching this guy and reading his real emotions. That's mm-hmm. why the people watching the the show within the movie, mm-hmm. the reason they're hooked on it is because they're watching an actual guy have actual emotions in this kind of uh, manipulated scenario. Mm-hmm. And for Jim Carrey, that works, have, being able to wear his emotions on his face and being mm-hmm. able to play, you know, sad mm-hmm. broadly, being able to play happy broadly, all, all, all this stuff. It, it works for the movie. Yeah, uh, I think I think kind of just to comment on this, it's like you know where Jim Carrey needs to put physical comedy to the test in this. It works because you know you see Truman trying to break the whole status quo of this fake world that he's living in, just to get a reaction out of people. And there's that one scene where he's like just doing random spontaneous things just to see if someone would react to it differently, like what normal people should do. And that's where Jim Carrey's physical humor does come in. But you're right, we get the emotional nuances that we don't ever get to see early in his earlier work. Yeah, so I, I absolutely love The Truman Show. It still holds up for me. I think it holds up in just a lot of ways. Like, this was a, a just a good script, good story in general, and yeah. just drawing attention of, like, you know... But this was before reality TV became a huge, huge mm-hmm. market. And it's like, well, where's the fine line of, you know, where reality meets fiction? And how much of that should we be consuming on a regular basis? So, yeah, it's a good film. All yeah, right. absolutely recommend. Yep. Uh, all right. Uh, Alex, what have you, you been up to? Yeah, what have you been up to? All right. So um, still watching, uh, you know, the anime series that I talked about on the last episode. Still watching um, Asher in Love, uh, Small and Forest Spirit, and uh, Room Camp. Uh, still good. No complaints there. They're just still getting interest, more interesting. So not, nothing really new on that. Um, for other stuff I've been watching, I started on YouTube, I started watching a lot of um, stuff from Corridor Digital. Oh, same here. Oh, really? I, I So so I haven't really been watching their actual like shorts and stuff like that, but I've been, I started watching all of their, like, um, uh, I guess, vlogs, their every other days, just the general stuff. I, I mean, I'd heard of them, of course, years ago when they... And I got big, but just recently, I it came up in my recommended feed. Uh, they did a did a series like stuntmen react to uh, you know movies and whatnot, and so I was bored and I checked it out, and it was a lot of fun because it was great too because it, it's nice seeing how everything's broken down and to be able to get like a real stuntman there and, and explain 
oh yeah, that that's actually real. And that guy actually did get punched in the face and that probably hurt a lot. So that's what got me hooked on the channel, watching that. So I watched like the entire series of that, watching all their like visual effects artists react, that kind of thing. Um, and that's just incredibly informative. Yeah, that uh, uh, those series, the Stuntman Reacts and the uh, Visual Artist Reacts, uh, those are the ones, they, they, they come out with a new episode every Saturday, and I always look forward to it every Saturday morning, because yeah. they're, they're very entertaining to watch, they're very very informative. I, I like, uh, for instance, when they talk about the Cats trailer, when that first came out. Oh my god. Yeah. I, 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 but, but I like how they point out that the problem isn't with the effects. Like, like the effects mm -hmm. were technically good, but the problem was was yes. in the design. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, that, that's what I like about it, too. It's like, like I said, they just break everything down and they'll they'll explain all of this really interesting stuff. So that's what got me hooked on channel on the channel watching that stuff. And then I've just been watching all their other like random videos that they made, all their different weird, you know, little uh, stunts and whatnot that they pull, like trying to catch an arrow or Django with cinder blocks and random things like that. Um, and it's it's great. It's just it's it's very nice and light and just fun to watch. And just the people that work there are really great on camera just because they have like just their, their personalities just all meshed together really well. And it's hilarious. Did you see the video where uh, Nico made a, uh, a 3D printed Settlers of Catan? No, set? I haven't caught that one yet. I don't, I don't even know how many. There's like there's tons of them. videos of like from like three years ago. So. I have like a lot to catch up on. There, there are a couple of videos where Nico is making a. Uh, he prints them out and then he paints them, and it's meticulously detailed. It's like a three D Settlers of Catan set, and it's it's wonderful to watch him work, but also the end product, the the end result is is beautiful to look at. Yeah, like I haven't been watching them in any order, so I've just been like randomly going off of like what's recommended next. Same here. <laughs> yeah, and, and like everything is good. Like it's yeah, it's a lot of fun to watch. So that that's what I've been mostly watching. Um, as far as what I've been playing, I start. I picked up um, uh, Risk of Rain too. Um, Risk of Rain was a, a game that I played on PC, jeez, uh, years ago. Um, the original game was a two D like side scroller pixel art. It was a uh, roguelike. A roguelike is um, essentially you start off with one life and you go through either levels or dungeons or whatever picking up items and things and once you die you're dead that run is over so that's essentially kind of kind of what a roguelike is like so do you have to start again from the beginning exactly okay yeah, gotcha you, die, you start all it's like you time. actually die okay so you don't yeah. just go yeah. back to the beginning of this session that it's level like or whatever yeah, yeah you, you, it's very beginning okay yep i want to make an open world sims like game where everyone can interact with everyone but if you die then your copy of the game deleted, and you have to like rebuy the game. That's mean. <laughs> <laughs> You're just buying lives. It's just pay to win. What is this bullshit? Imagine people going around just killing off people to just just to mess with them. <laughs> just griefing, yeah. I was gonna actually ask you, Alex. Like early on when you were playing this game, did you get like really frustrated, like when you die and just like have to start again, like over and over again? Sort of, yeah. Especially if it's if it's like you're you're like several levels into the run, and you've gotten like a lot of like really good items that you want, and then you know you just lose everything in an instant because you just mistimed your dodge or didn't kite the enemies well enough, 
or you just got unlucky RNG with like the teleporter. I mean, I guess it's realistic. Like, yeah, when you do die, you lose it all. So exactly. Yeah. Watch where yeah, you step. So, yeah. So, so I played the original game a ton. And one of the things that like hooked me in to the game was all the different, like really cool items. Cause they, they, they come up with like basic stuff like, Oh, this item will make you go faster. This item will make you attack faster. This item regens your health faster, whatever. But then there's a lot of like different ones. Like there's um in the old game it was the banjo, in the new game is ukulele. But like all of your wait, why would you downgrade like that? <laughs> Seriously, I don't know. <laughs> I mean that, that that doesn't make sense. That's badass. Well, that one is like all of your attacks have a chance to like chain lightning to other nearby enemies, and each and you have a different set of um, uh, survivors that you can pick each have their own like different things that they can do there's the general guy with like pistols and then there's someone with like a, a bow and all this different stuff so you know you can kind of tailor and tailor your run and how you play to each different character and kind of figure out you know what set of items works best with each different character so that that was the original game and the risk of rain 2 is pretty much the exact same thing but now it's in 3D. And, you know, obviously the extra dimension adds, you know, new challenges and whatnot because it's just a little bit harder to kind of work around. But as soon as I started playing it, I was instantly hooked again. I didn't want the game to change much just because I loved the original so much. So I was stoked that the second game was pretty much the same thing, just, on, you know, in 3D. So, yeah, that, that's been just a ton of fun to play through and, like, relive all the memories of playing it years ago. But yeah, it's, I recommend it if anyone wants to play it because it's just, it can take up a short amount of time or it can, you know, your run can last easily over an hour. <laughs> okay. Well, Mine will last days. You're, you will basically binge days. You'll come, Good. like Katie will come in and just basically <laughs> see Joe with cobwebs on his and his beard being like a couple of inches I, longer well i'll still be alive I'm, I'm just that good you're just that good yeah well <laughs> let's see if your computer can hold up to like hundreds of enemies on the screen because like i'm you know i play on playstation like if i get to a certain level or something like that or get like certain items that do a ton of stuff at once the game will just lag for me like i'll just drop it just crashes <laughs> crash I've, i haven't had to crash but i you're think people on pc have like gotten you know 30 levels or something like that and yeah the game will just crash for them just because they can't it just can't keep up it's trying to do too much but yeah that, that's what i've been uh up to lately awesome okay well i'll try and be really brief guys because <laughs> i actually <laughs> didn't watch this much this past week um but yeah so because this is supposed to be an oscar grab bag and we're talking about anything but the oscars this will be the only time we'll talk about Oscar stuff <laughs> because this past week um, I, there's a theater that screens the Oscar nominated short films, both live action and animated. So I went and saw that. Um, it's something I do every year just to see what was selected, what was hailed as like, you know, the big contenders. Um, and some of them were okay. They weren't as good as the ones last year, but there were some good ones. I think I saw more better selections in the animated category. And I think... Of, of the ones that were animated, um, my favorite was Kitbull. Uh, Kitbull is like a story about this stray kitten living in a junkyard who starts befriending a cage-fighting pit bull. And they start a friendship and they escape. And it's a very sweet, tender story, but it draws attention to the whole animal abuse and you know dog fighting. And it's kind of sad on that end. But it's a very sweet story. I think, Alex, if you ever check it out, I think it's on YouTube. Um, okay. I feel like I've seen it before. 
or like parts of it. It has kind of like a very interesting Ghibli kind of feel to it. And there's not a whole lot of heavy contour lines. Um, so it's very nice as far as the story goes. Um, mm -hmm. One of my personal favorite was Daughter. This was a film from, uh, I think it was Denmark. But that one was good just because I love the way it was done. It's basically a stop motion film with paper mache dolls, but the way they shot it looks like it's done with real life action. Like the way they move and the way the camera moves feels like it's there in the setting. So it's good. As far as uh, the one I think that will win, it's going to probably be Hair Love, just because I feel like as the Oscars always would go for, it's a safe bet. <sighs> live action, I don't know. There wasn't that many great selections. The only one I see that could win, and we'll see what happens um, after we look at the results of the Oscars, was a uh, Saria. Um, and that's like a, it's, it's actually a horrible story. I won't go into it just because I don't want to bum us all down. <laughs> no, seriously, it's a horrible story. And it happened more recently. Um, but I feel like that one's going to probably win. But maybe I'll be wrong. We'll see. Aside from that, like the other thing I did watch recently, just because this was a movie that kind of kept on my radar when I realized, oh, okay, there's two actors that are nominated for Best Actor this year. And once both of them were in the same film together, Antonio Banderas and Jonathan Pierce were actually in the same movie together. And I actually remember watching this movie as I was growing up, and that is Evita, uh, which is the hit musical based on the life of Evita Duarte, a B-rated Argentinian actress who eventually became the wife of Argentina President Juan Perón and became the most beloved and hated woman in Argentina. This is an interesting musical because I grew up with this. My dad introduced it to me on the vinyl record, and especially with this movie in particular. And what I like about this is that the way the movie is shot is not treating it like a musical. It's treating it like an Oliver Stone biopic. And it actually does a pretty good job in trying to give a whole scope of just the history of the Argentinian people during that time. Like there's riots that were happening, protests that were going on, um, a lot of politics happening behind the scenes. And, you know, you think in a musical, you're going to focus on the big spectacle numbers and try and make like a big show out of it. No, this uh, movie gets pretty gritty with some stuff. And that's the one thing that stuck with me with this movie. It's not necessarily the best movie out there, um, mostly because Madonna's playing the lead and she's not a great actress. Whoa. No. Hey, hey, all I'm saying is Antonio Banderas and Jonathan Pierce, they do a better job than Madonna. Seriously, I'm watching their performances again and they're the only two that hold up. But yeah, I'd say like if you guys want to see like a, a musical that's not being treated like a musical um, and actually being treated as something a little bit more serious, it's an interesting watch. It's not a very stimulating movie. It does drag, but I think it's worth listening to if you want to see, a, you know, good music being seen on screen. Um, aside from that, that's all I watched. Awesome. Well, with that, let's move into our main topic, the Oscar grab bag, special number two. So here we go in our Oscar grab bag. So here's how this is going to work. I have in front of me a list of a random assortment of topics that we've added over the course of the past year. Some of them are uh, relevant, some of them not so much, some of them are weird. It's just an oddball. This is a mixture of all of us. I've added some. I think you guys have added some. Mm -hmm. I know Katie's added some to this. <laughs> this will be interesting. Um, so the point isn't necessarily to have 
a debate or a conversation that makes sense mm -hmm. the point is to have fun right so th there are things on here like i uh like reviews for movies that some or none of us have probably seen mm -hmm. we'll still have to do it yeah <laughs> yeah uh so w without further ado let's go ahead and get started so we're gonna limit ourselves to five minutes per segment and go until we feel like not going just like when you pee <laughs> that's an interesting <laughs> analogy but thank you I for mean, putting i guess that. so sure. <laughs> All right, I'm going to set a stopwatch. Five minutes per topic. First topic is worst movies to wake up to. Oh, jeez. Sallow. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> of course that would be the worst movie to wake up to. Okay, picture this. I... You're, you're lying in bed. You're fast asleep. And then uh, you have a nice dream. And you hear a sound uh, kind of in the back of your dream waking you up. Pulls you out of this dream. It's your most wonderful dream you've ever had. Mostly likely it would be someone speaking Italian. And then you, you, you open your eyes... And you see on the TV right in front of your face, what's the worst thing you can see on the screen? Someone getting their eyeball like split open. So zombie two or zombie. Well, no, that happens in Salo. Some kid oh, that, gets okay. his eyeball like plucked out. So, so no. Salo. So Salo. Yeah, so the answer is Salo. <laughs> I mean, I knew what you were going to reference, but the thing is there's more stuff in Salo than just that. Uh, I also put out there Ace Ventura, Pet Detective. Really? Okay. That, that'd be a bad movie to wake up to? I, I would hate to wake too, up to that. I, I actually would also hate to wake up to that. That It's just, it's too much, way too early. Mm -hmm. um, I would probably say one out there would be uh, Disney's The Black Cauldron. Like if you have Disney Plus on loop and then suddenly that movie comes up in your queue and you wake up and... It's the middle of when the dead army is being risen. That's not necessarily fun to watch. See, I, I haven't seen Black Cauldron, but I, I, I can't imagine that any animated Disney movie would be necessarily unpleasant to wake up to. That, that one is very unpleasant because I remember actually having food poisoning and my parents <laughs> rented that movie when it came on VHS. And it was not a pleasant experience. So, yeah, not a great movie to wake up to. Not a great movie to just watch in general. Yeah, I, I would say, like just about maybe any horror movie uh, so i guess is, so like you're just waking up to something i you know either jump scares or just something really really unsettling and it's just like what a great way to start your day off actually you know what another good bad movie to just wake up to would be the suicide club and in particular the bowling alley you seen i don't know if any of you guys have I've seen, seen suicide club i don't know have you have, alex have you seen it no Okay, imagine like this the creepiest glam rock, like uh, a sadistic oh, rock. Um, <laughs> kidnapper who has all these people and animals in body bags in a uh, bowling alley. And he's singing this really weird song as one of his henchmen is going to stab a girl in one of the bags. That's something you don't want to wake up to. Yeah, that'd be weird. Yeah. I'd also throw in there Hard to Be a God. I've not seen that movie. Really? Uh, because that movie is like what three hours of people trudging around in medieval times uh, through uh, puddles of piss and shit and they're all farting and like snot everywhere and that's the whole movie I mean that sounds like a for three the, hours that sounds like the outtakes of Monty Python and the Holy Grail but okay <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. Except, except for in black and white and shot with a wide angle lens and oh. all close ups and with oh jeez <laughs> I didn't sound that I don't know. I, I was just like, it's, it's it's no worse than the pile of shit I wake up in every morning. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, his basement's clean. His basement's clean. <laughs> Sorry, <Yeah>. Alex. <laughs> uh, any oh. Gaspar Noe movie? Oh yes. Oh yeah. Yes. Right, thank yeah. you for putting That's that a out because good point. 
Irreversible, uh, Love in 3D, Enter the Void. Yeah, any of those you wake up to. Actually, even probably when you're asleep, there's just something about the soundtrack that just will make you feel very queasy. Uh, yeah, that would be a... There There was one. Uh, Nick and I were actually visiting uh, our friend Jay when he was up in, living up in the mountains. I think we went and visited him, woke up next day, and I think we ended up watching American Hustle like after we woke up. So we're all just like sitting there like hungover watching American <laughs> Hustle. And that was terrible. Honestly, I'm going to have to admit, I actually, when I even saw that movie in theaters, I thought it was a very unpleasant experience. I, I did like, not like that movie. Christian Bale's I, toupee. And his Ugh. beer belly. <laughs> no. God bless him for method acting, but I did not want to see that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all, right. all right. I guess that's five What's minutes. What's the next topic? Yeah, let's move on. Next topic is best soundtracks. Oh, well, anything by John Williams is great. Well, let's take the easy route. Uh, well, I mean, while Joe, while Alex is thinking of stuff, I would have to say one of my favorite scores actually out there is uh, the Twin Peaks score. Uh, Laura Palmer's uh, theme, I think, is actually a really good one. So now are we talking... I, I actually... I think I put, I put this one on there. Mm-hmm. So... Should we limit it to just movies, or are you thinking about video games? Well, no, because like, well, I mean, video games I can go off, but um, scores or soundtracks of like, of like pre-existing songs. I, I, it's soundtracks, so I'd say like let's say ones that are are like already pre-existing songs that were put into a soundtrack. Like I okay. guess by anything by like Tarantino is going to have like existing songs. Oh, that makes me yeah. think in a completely different direction now. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, what, what were you thinking, Alex? Uh, Wes Anderson, like. Royal Tenenbaums is a good one. All of his stuff is great. Alex is, I was going to say Wes Anderson for every topic except for worst movies to wake up to. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. His movies are actually very, very pleasant to listen to. He's one of my favorites. Oh, also, um, Scott Pilgrim. Scott Pilgrim, uh, uh, Baby Driver. But I mean, Baby Driver is, is oh, kind of yeah. kind of cheating saying that one. I feel like. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. Because the whole movie is crafted around the music. Right. Kind of, but like. They could have still screwed the music up, so it's still a really good one to go. Not best overall soundtrack, but best needle drop in a movie goes to It Chapter 2 when the zombie vomits all over. <laughs> what is it, Eddie's face? <laughs> that is going to stick with you for ages, <laughs> isn't it? That's a beautiful moment. I don't remember the song. I just remember it was very funny. Um, let's see. Uh, there's Oh, I think this is one that I, I could particularly like. I like anything by Thomas Newman um you know he did finding nemo he's done the green mile he's done American beauty he's done the shawshank redemption his scores are just really good and i kind of lumped them all together because they all kind of do sound the same um but if there's one that really does stick out with me i, I would have to say shawshank redemption is a an excellent score so if we're, th- if we're doing if we're doing scores as well well soundtrack i mean yeah that's a counts as a soundtrack mm-hmm. bad boys bad boys okay that's a good one too Michael Bay knows how to shoot the hell out of a music video, and those movies are basically music videos. Pretty much. Yeah. yeah. True. True. Um, yeah, so I've written soundtracks too. I mean, there's uh, The Assassination of Jesse James by the Carter Robert Ford. Yeah. Oh, that's a, yeah. That's Carter Burnwell, right? Carter Burnwell? No, that's um, Nick Cave and Warren Ellis. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Sorry. I was kidding. Yeah. Yeah. That one is great because it's just like some really nice ambient modern classical uh if we're, if we're going with scores now also i would uh i like to throw dread into the mix really you put oh, dread yeah. in there yeah 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 uh when dread came out uh, I'm, not, I'm not i'm not talking about the um the sylvester stallone one i'm talking about the <laughs> the, 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 the carl urban, urban one yeah. mm-hmm. uh that 
that score i would listen to that uh just like in my car it, mm-hmm. it is it is a great score to listen to mm-hmm. it's kind of this 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 dark electronic pounding soundtrack mm-hmm. um and it's it's it, it works great in the movie but just like on its own it's just it's a really fun soundtrack right another one to go along is um kind of splits the difference between the two is whiplash because you mm-hmm. have you have the actual like jazz songs that they're that they're playing and then <clears throat> the score itself is pretty good too it is actually very good yeah no i agree uh talking about some recent movies parasite had a good soundtrack a good score it did actually i'd have to say that was actually one of the more underrated scores that i don't think anyone appreciated because that one really built up the tension all time of course pirates of the caribbean lord of the rings are kind of two go-to scores yeah but and, yeah. You know, howard shore and you know hans zimmer here's the question out of the Pirates of the Caribbean scores, which one is the best? I, I I mean, the first one. I think the first one is kind of like what made it a swashbuckling adventure. I I would go with number two, Dead Man's Chest, all the way. I mean, I mean, the first one's great. Is that the one that has like the music box uh, theme in it? Yeah. Okay. I mean, I can see that being a reason. I kind of felt like, I don't know, there's something about like the first one that just like really, really just got me hooked into it. And it was just set the pacing so well. Yeah. One last name drop is Beyond Black, Beyond the Black Rainbow from the Black <laughs> yeah. guitarist. If you guys haven't seen the review of it, uh, you should definitely check out our playlist and see their review of Beyond the Black Rainbow. Watch our video. Where they were at VidCon back in what, 2016? <laughs> I don't remember. Don't forget to like so. and subscribe. Smash that like <laughs> button, that bell button. Yeah. <laughs> All right. All right, here we go. Number three, best eating act. Tiv- acting best eating acting <laughs> you're just about to say activity i was, I was like what does that mean activity. i was like what the hell okay um I'm brad, say, brad pitt in any movie i guess so he makes eating look really good yeah heck yeah it's true heck you could eat a celery and it looks great i have a once upon a time in hollywood just on the on the mind right now but uh, he does him, he eats in every scene in that that's true <laughs> um but i'd also have to say i don't know if you guys have seen a ghost story but rooney mona eating a whole pie in five minutes <laughs> yes it's very emotional pie eating it's a very emotional pie eating. he's just watching her eat a pie for five minutes and that's that's great Ooh, ooh, ooh i've got one actually mm-hmm. this, this one didn't pop into my head until just now old boy eating the octopus oh god oh uh, yeah okay i've seen clips of that okay that. yeah yes. like on so many levels that mm-hmm. actually really works because within the 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 movies it's the character just needs to feel alive and he's eating something that he's like i want something alive and he's craving just a new experience the actor himself was i think like a vegan or a vegetarian or oh so like this is his first time eating actually like uh calamari he, not only that he's, no. eat, he's actually eating a live octopus oh that's yeah. wonderful Hmm. And it's fascinating because the guy is just like, like, I think it's like a religious thing for him. Like he just doesn't eat animals dead or anything. And here he is like mm-hmm. chewing, ripping apart a living creature with his teeth for a movie. Oh my yeah. gosh. Well, it's also funny that you mentioned that he needs something to feel alive. Cause I think it was, I think it's octopus. It has a lot of uh, ginseng, which is kind of similar to caffeine. It'll just keep you up for like forever. That's like, that's what's in like green tea. Mm. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I can see why I it's a rare delicacy, yeah. Well, any kind of squid, else, right? Yeah. Um, I would have to say some of the, one of the best act, eating acting scenes, and I'll, we won't have to go into this, but Divine eating dog poop. I was going to say Sallow. Uh, well, no, oh, I would oh. say more for Pink Flamingos because that's like the last shot. 
of the movie. <laughs> oh, oh, that reminds me. Actually, not even being like like funny or ironic. Uh, one way only, I think is what it's called. Mm-hmm. I recently went on a marathon of all the movies with Lam Nai Choi, the guy mm-hmm. who directed Ricky O. Sorry, Ricky. Mm-hmm. And his first movie, One Way Only. Uh, it's kind of like an American graffiti riff. It's, it's, it's about young adults. They're kind of a biker gang going about living their lives, getting into trouble. Mm-hmm. And there's a scene at the end where a guy eats dog poop. And it's one of the most emotional scenes you'll, you've ever what? seen of someone eating dog poop. Okay, so maybe that's a better reference than what I just <laughs> said with a John Waters film. So, yeah. Uh, like, like, like This guy's like in tears and he's doing it to make a point. And it's it's a very sad scene, but uh, after that he like has like a close conversation with someone else, and the only thing I think of is that that guy's being very nice and not telling him that his breath smells like shit. <laughs> so I, I think we're forgetting a major one. Oh, what's that? The end of Ratatouille. Oh yeah, yeah Ratatouille. That's that is a huge one. I guess yeah. If anyone's not seen Ratatouille, that end scene where the film critic is reviewing the Ratatouille is actually a good one. That and I would say any like Studio Ghibli film, just because the food looks so amazing. Um, I think like one of the I think best eating acting scenes is actually from Spirited Away, where the little girl is actually eating something for once, and it's it's emotional. I watched Spirited Away for the first time recently. What? What? You've not seen it before? I had never seen it before. We watched it with the fam- the whole family. Okay. Uh, and the scene where the the parents turn into pigs for meeting. Oh yeah, that's another good eating oh, yeah. scene. It's an important eating scene in the movie. Oh gosh, when they before they turn into pigs and they're just like each, just shoveling food yeah. in their mouths. I'm like. This is gross. Why? <laughs> this is why. This is a cartoon. Why does this look gross? Yeah, I, th- I think we're we're underemphasizing how many Brad Pitt eating acting scenes there are, though. Like, like I can't think of any more <laughs> off the top of my head, but I feel like isn't it like a trope that he like he eats in every movie he's in? He does actually. It, it being such a yeah, um, I think one that comes to mind is actually from uh, Meet Joe Black when he's eating a spoon of peanut butter. <laughs> it's the weirdest scene, but you're right. He he seems to always eat something in every movie he's in. Uh, as far as famous eating scenes, there's always Lady and the Tramp. Oh, yeah. Well, mm. I mean, yeah. I guess that's something you can't exclude. I was also going to say uh, Super Size Me. Well, oh, true. yeah. Mean, the whole thing about that is just eating McDonald's and just... <laughs> Best or grossest? <laughs> well, it's... I don't know if it's even acting. It's just him eating. <laughs> true. <laughs> it's a movie. I mean, we're forgetting that this is all about acting. So, you know. That's true. Which, which might exclude old boy since he's not really acting because he probably actually feels that way. What is the fine line of acting now? <laughs> All right, next topic. Best movies to drink to. Oh, okay. Well, oh. I I can go down a list, but I want you guys to set the tone for this. I just want to say, okay, uh, uh, one time I drank a little bit too much when we went to go see a movie. Alex remembers this. <laughs> yes, I do. We went to I go see Fury. And um, I, I can't say the experience was uh, was great necessarily for Fury. <laughs> I was, I mean, I was okay. Now here's the thing. I want to emphasize, uh, we do have a category on here that we haven't used yet, which is movies we've watched drunk. But and this is specifically movies, best movies to drink to. So this isn't necessarily watching a movie shit mm-hmm. face. This is a watching a movie. Maybe maybe you you know you start off sober at the beginning, and as you're working through it, you get through the beer. Okay. Uh, so we're not necessarily wa- meaning watching movies with beer goggles. Okay. Well, one thing I will say is I think Ricky O is a really good movie to drink to, especially if you're with friends. Yes, I think so. That's a good party movie. <laughs> Definitely, it is. Sure. <laughs> I would say Guy Ritchie. That's true. I guess pick any of his like like British gangster films. And yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, because you, I mean, I'd probably even say, like, actually, if you guys watch The Gentleman and actually drink a good scotch to that, that's a good movie to 
drink too. I, I wouldn't think of this as, as a movie to drink while watching, but uh, for some reason, Rounders feels like a good movie for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, just, just kind of the whole atmosphere, just the guys playing poker. It's almost like mm-hmm. it's, it's it's a hangout movie with drama. It's got these, these kind of over-the-top characters. Uh, mm-hmm. It's it just feels like a good, a good hangout movie where you eh, let's grab a beer and watch Rounders. Yeah. Um, I'd also say, you know, of all Tarantino's films, I still think Pulp Fiction is a really good movie to drink too. Like you know, get a scotch or just yeah. whatever, like, uh, you know, Cabernet you have going on. It's like, yeah, it's... it's Watch a... Marcellus Wallace. Uh... Yeah, <laughs> sure. Well, okay. well, Bruce Willis comes in with a samurai sword, okay. and that's what makes it up. On the opposite end of, like, drinking and having fun. Oh, could... no. <laughs> of course you would take it there. Well, yeah. You could have a, have a few drinks and watch Shame. <laughs> No, no, no. If, if you're like Nick, our friend Nick, and you're just by yourself in your room watching Shame on your computer like he did. Uh, <laughs> Is that where you were going, Alex, with that? Is that... Just, just, just no. you know, you know, put, a, put a robe on, get a beer, <laughs> get, a gla- get a glass of wine. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Um, I, I think the ultimate drinking movie, uh, Edgar Wright's The World's End, though. Yeah, it is. Oh, Actually, yeah. you can almost like uh, pace yourself. You know <gasps> what they do as well. I feel like imagine this is... if you drink with the characters in the movie. Yeah, well, I mean, it's just a pint at every place they go to, right? We got we got to try this out. A, a pub crawl okay. through the movie, the world's end. Take a drink every time they. <laughs> okay, well, well, here's the thing. You know, uh, St. Patrick's Day is coming up. I feel like that's a good opportunity to do this. Okay, I can't Ooh. hold my beer though. Like after two beers, I'd be I'd be dead. Oh. Well, you guys got you guys got to work I'm a, up. I'm a, light, I'm a lightweight. Okay, well, we've already set a new challenge for us. We're gonna see if we can actually drink to the movie, the world's end. I already have a good stamina with drinking. <laughs> I think you guys need to work up to it. But I think hey, you guys I, can do I, it. I'm, I'm good, man. Okay, so he can almost look her. So. Here's the problem with that. In the movie, they took like a whole day to do that. You're watching, you're doing this in the course. Well, how many two hours? What, how many isn't pints it they like drink? 12. 12. That's 12 oh. pints well, over the course of fair, like two hours. Just to be fair, just to be fair, they never actually have the final pint at the actual last pub. In and do both, they actually. He pours do, it. He pours it, but he doesn't drink it. That's true. So do they we, drink the whole pint as well? Simon Pegg does. Does okay. he? If you do, if you do the uh, uh, the Nick Frost version, mm-hmm. you're just drinking water. <laughs> so well, so, so you're pausing to go use the bathroom. But the thing is, at minutes. the was at the fifth place, you have to take at least four shots because he does do Jesus. that. That's at true. one time, he does. So he makes up for Nick, it. Nick Frost takes. That's right, because because Simon Pegg serves shots for all of them, and yep. Nick Frost downs them all. Right when he realizes, you know, uh, they're all robots. We we're screwed. That's boo boo. Yeah, this needs to be a thing that we can do uh, if we're planning on on dying. Okay, just get like a like a like a Bud Light or something. Nothing like that. Something light. You know, we could do <laughs> yeah, a couple go. of like ultra watered right? down beers. I mean, I'm not, I wouldn't do that, but no, I wouldn't either. Yeah, somebody, do. somebody, somebody, tweet at Edgar Wright and see if this is a good idea, or if anybody's actually tried it. I have a feeling someone's tried it. <laughs> I'm sure it didn't end well. All right, next topic: favorite Keanu Reeves moments. Um, anything from your breathtaking. That's it. <laughs> that's all he's gonna comment i yep. haven't seen crazy rich asians but i've heard he's in it and it's one of the best things in the movie it's it's pretty good see see, see, see i think of movies but moments i mean okay. him saying whoa from the matrix is it's an iconic moment it's a great moment 
I'm gonna pull yeah. up my list of Keanu Reeves movies because I feel like there's like some obscure ones that I'm uh I'm, I, I I should be thinking of. I mean, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Him saying like, "We are just dust in the wind, dude." That's a great moment, actually. To yeah. Aristotle is great. That is. There's oh. a lot of great moments in Constantine. But he does. Do you have like one in particular that you really like? Mm, let's see. When he's running through hell uh, to grab something, I don't remember what. It is a cool scene. Yeah, that was good. That was a good one. I John John like... Wick. All three of the John Wick movies have all like they're built of great Keanu Reeves moments. Oh yeah. Um, oh, yeah. I th- yeah. I'm thinking I'm back. I mean, you guys have seen Toy Story four. <laughs> Duke Boom. Duke Boom. <laughs> Any of his uh, catchphrases are really great. I, when I think of Duke Kaboom in that movie, I think specifically of the scene where he tries to make the jump. Oh, yeah. And he's thinking of the uh, the kid, his his previous owner. Yeah, that's a good moment. <laughs> the gift, any scene in The Gift, <laughs> where he's just like this abusive husband. Oh, yeah. It's, <laughs> it's, so, it's so mean. But it's... it's, it's it, it, what's funny is that if I look at the poster for The Gift, I don't think of Keanu Reeves being in that movie. Mm-hmm. You tell me Keanu Reeves is in The Gift, I can immediately picture his character. That's that true. Um, I have to say Point Blank is also... There's some good moments in that. I haven't seen that one. Uh, when he's chasing after uh, Patrick Swayze's character, and instead of shooting him, he just shoots at the sky. Nick Frost riffs that in uh, uh, oh, Hot Fuzz. Yes. That's a reference to Point Break. Yeah. Uh, I was thinking of uh, Speed. Speed? When he when he, 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 he does the, uh, what is it, pop quiz hot shot or whatever. Back. Oh, yeah. What do you do? What do you do? You've got, you know, I forget the exact, exact line. You've got like a... Mm-hmm. The train coming at you or something. Right. What do you do? Okay, I think his uh, his moment in the actual movie Keanu. Which I hadn't seen, but I've heard he's in it, yeah. He, he actually voices the cat for just a moment, and that's a great moment. Because that's <laughs> the reason why the cat's named that. Oh, that's great. Um, I would have to probably say, like, in the new Spongebob movie coming out, when he's a sagebush. Yep, I've seen that. I've oh, seen that clip yeah. from the trailer. Yep, I think yeah, that moment good. is fantastic. Isn't it just great, like, he just has become, like, a well-rounded, respected meme on the internet? Like, and you put him in anything, he's great. The internet loves Scammon. He's become one of those kind of beloved uh, uh, stars, kind of like Dwayne Johnson. Yeah. And he's. I think he's built his persona mm-hmm. as much off of his the way he personally presents himself as much as his screen presence. Right. Which is interesting. He's he's got it made. He knows what he's doing. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I can't think of anything off the top of my head. I think those are like the main ones that come to my mind. Yeah, same here. I I mean, like, I feel like Bill and Ted, though. Yeah, anything from Bill and Ted. Pretty much any scene from Bill and Ted. Dude, that's your mom. Are you guys excited for the new Bill and Ted movie? I'll have to get a trailer before I see how I feel about it. I'm looking forward to the trailer. I, I'm looking forward to the movie, though, because this is the ideal time to do it. It You've is. You've got Keanu Reeves at the top of his game, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. off of his whole John Wick fame. you got Alex Winter is coming back. Yeah. It's, 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 it's the, whole, the whole gang. My only worry is that they're going to devolve into references from the first two movies, as opposed to just forging ahead, because, you know, with some of the most iconic stuff from Bill and Ted's bogus journey, the second one, stuff like station you know mm-hmm. the, the, and like i said station isn't in the first movie mm-hmm. uh playing chess with death and playing twist with death isn't mm-hmm. in the first movie that no. stuff was all built specifically for the second movie mm-hmm. and i want more stuff like that i want more new stuff yeah there's a there's a i yeah. see what you're saying there's a whole danger with the nostalgic factor you know we have that fan base and we can be like oh you remember this reference yeah we're pulling it back for this it would be fun to see station it would be fun to see death but like i i, I want to build just a new thing yeah so what like i said give me a trailer and then we'll see yep. yeah all right what's the next one 
Next one is, let's see, how many time, how, how long are we at right now? Oh, 27 minutes, so this, this will be the last one. Last one, okay, right. let's make it count. Movies about movies. Uh, I mean, I think the one that comes to my mind first off is Hugo. I mean, that's just, you know, Scorsese saying I love these movies I grew up with and just the classics. When I think of movies about movies, one of the first ones that comes to mind is Ed Wood. Yeah. Uh, that one's mostly about a, a filmmaker working who, on movies. Who's not really good at it, but his love for the craft is there. Yeah. Uh, the other one in the same vein like that, that that I think of, though, is uh, The Disaster Artist. Yeah. About the making yeah. of The Room. Mm-hmm. I mean, really, you yeah. kind of think about this, the whole legacy of Tommy Wiseau and The Room and The Disaster Artist is kind of, yeah. Because he pulls a lot of references from everything he watched for, like, Marlon Brando movies and, like, James Dean movies, so... Um, I would have to say a good movie about movies is uh, The Player, that Robert Altman, a film with starring uh, Tim Robbins, where he plays this producer who's kind of going about trying to get a, a project produced. And it just kind of goes into just that's how the industry works. Like the opening shot, it's a one take of him just navigating from one office to another as he's hearing pitches and actors are going about in their, you know, everyday shenanigans. But it's good Robert Altman storytelling, and it just gives a good uh, depiction of this is what the industry is like, especially back in the 90s. So that's a good one. A good movie about a movie that that was never real is Argo. Yeah. A well, pretend yeah. movie. Yeah, uh, where they're trying to craft a whole you know fake movie around this idea of like, yeah, it's a sci-fi and we need to go film it. Yeah, you're right. That's a good one. Um, um, the Artist. I was I was gonna say the artist. Uh, yeah, things yeah. that people like crapping on the artist. They do because I, I, I it's like because... yeah, because it's like it's just like the silent French film that came out of nowhere and it swept the Oscars. Like I liked it though. It's, it's a good it's movie. A good, yeah, it's a good like nostalgic piece. Like if you think about like oh yeah, this is all the classic silent films that it's paying tribute to. It's good on that level, but yeah, I can yeah, see why. I... It, Gets a lot of shit. Yeah, I mean, I think I think part of it too is just like it just got so popular and everyone was talking about it that everyone just kind of got annoyed with everyone talking about it, and so I think it's a shame that uh, Jean Dujardin from The Artist he didn't become a bigger star in America after that movie. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you think that would be a, a launch for his career, but yeah, I haven't seen Matinee, Joe Dante's movie. Oh, you haven't? I haven't. Have you seen it? No, I haven't. Okay, because because I was presuming that you'd seen it. I was get your thoughts on it because I, I I know that that one's about like B movies and the film world in general. Oh, would you say Hollywood Boulevard is one? Oh, Hollywood Boulevard's a great one. Yeah, and you brought John, Joe Dante, and I was like, well, you did say that one's a very interesting take on like just movies made in Hollywood. Yeah, well, well Hollywood Boulevard actually it might be my favorite movie about, about movies mm-hmm. on this list because. It's about the making of Roger Corman movies, specifically. Mm-hmm. No budget, slapped together exploitation movies that are made super cheaply. Yep. And what's great about this movie is that Hollywood Boulevard is one of those movies, mm-hmm. and it's about the making of one of those movies. And it's just, they don't care yep. about anything. They're just like, let's just slap together whatever we can. The stupidest jokes, throw mm-hmm. them in there. And it is the funniest thing. That is a good one, yeah. Um, just to throw out there before the timer goes out, I would have to say The Bad and the Beautiful, the uh, Kirk Douglas movie, is a good one because it's uh, it's about a producer who goes about making movies in Hollywood and all of his relationships with his actors and friends that he meets. But there's a lot of other actual movies that it pays tribute to, like The Cat People. Um, it kind of like 
alludes to like you know how they came up with the concept of oh don't show the creature on screen just the idea that like, it's there and you just hear it like they kind of dabble into that so it's an interesting movie about making movies so i'd say that's a good one if anyone in the light of you know what happened recently with kirk douglas you know feel free to watch that movie it's a good one i highly recommend it hail caesar of course yeah, I would say Hail Caesar is another good one. I, I, I like the behind the scenes making, I mean, not the behind the scenes, but in the movie, the behind the scenes making of Hail Caesar. Where yep. they, they always say like, a, you know, shot of the almighty has yet to be, of the divine presence has yet to be mm-hmm. inserted. Yep. Uh, just looking over here on my shelf over here. FX. FX? Have you seen FX? I have not, but I'm, why don't you tell us a little bit about that? I would recommend FX. FX is a fun movie um, I, I, about a... A, vis- a practical effects guy for movies mm-hmm. hired by I think it's the CIA or the FBI to it's, it's, it's not about movie making specifically but but it, I mean it's, it's, it's tangential to that but it kind of reminds it makes me think of it in the same genre so he, he makes effects for movies and he's hired by the government to basically stage uh, some famous person's death uh, so that the bad guys will stop hunting them down. Mm-hmm. So he rings this guy up with squibs and all this, all this crazy stuff, mm-hmm. and then he gets up and they're going on the run. Uh, so I would, rec- I would recommend FX if you're interested in movie making. We also like kind of Hitchcockian and thrillers. Okay. The FX two was directed by none other than Richard Franklin, one of my favorite directors, who did Psycho two, <laughs> Road Games, Link. <laughs> Looking at my stack of Richard Franklin movies over there. I know. He has a huge stack of them. It's like, wow. Prepping for a future video. Hint, hint. Uh, yeah. So stay tuned, people. We might have a new one coming out. Uh, this one's a, a, a long time in the making. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have a while to wait for the Richard Franklin video, but uh, I, I want to do one this year. <laughs> for sure. All right. Anyway, that's our timer. That's our timer. That's, so I guess before be we wrap up, any... I know we're not supposed to talk about the Oscars, but do you guys want to make any predictions, any surprises that might happen? Right off the bat, I'm just going to say best picture I'm going to guess is going to go to 1917 mm-hmm. because the uh, Academy won't award it to a foreign film. Um, Although my money's still on Parasite. I'd still think it has a hot shot. The, 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 I think Parasite's going to lose and everyone's going to be pissed about it. I think that I think I think that's what that's what's going to happen too. The only reason I think Parasite might stand a chance is because in the recent years the Oscars have had moments where they've surprised us by giving the people what they want. Not all the time, but uh, I feel like more often now than they used to. And so Parasite has a chance. Like if Parasite wins, I'm not going to be floored. Or you know, biggest shocker is they give it to Little Women and. That just floors everybody. <laughs> Women is not going to win. I don't know. It's not, but it could. Uh, Joker is going to win the Oscar. Sure. Yeah, we'll go with that. <laughs> if you if you asked me like two months ago, I actually would have legitimately thought that Joker had a good chance of winning. It, uh, it would have. And then 1917 came out, and then I was I was pretty sold. I'm like, yeah, this, if they don't go with this, this they're just hurting themselves. I'm just unmotivated to get to see all of them this year. Like like usually I try to get out mm-hmm. to see all of them, but when, but whenever I go to the movies this year, it's always like. Oh, but, you know, Underwater's playing. That looks fun. I want to see that other than, rather than 1970. Honestly, I kind of feel bad that we haven't had a chance to do like a uh, uh, kind of like a, a pick a flick to help promote that movie. I really wanted us to watch Lathayan. Yeah. That one's an interesting one. It's kind of like a same movie that was made at the same time as The Abyss. And it has or Peter Wheeler in it. Oh, okay. And it is hilariously good and bad at the same time. <laughs> 
Anyway, that'll wrap us up for this episode of the Film Illiterates podcast. Uh, you can find us on youtube.com slash filmilliterates, filmilliterates.com. Uh, Nate, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me here at Film Illiterates talking with Joe and Alex about, you know, movies and stuff. Um, I also have my Instagram channel, Nathan underscore Stone underscore Films. And you can also follow me as Starlord at Starlord underscore Rules with a Z. Um, still trying to get new content in the works, but that's where you can find me now. Alex? Uh, you can check out all of our old, old uh, Film Alerts episodes. Um, those for me personally, I am on Twitter at Alex D. Patton. Um, I'm also on Letterboxd and Rate Your Music. If you want to check out what I'm listening to under Half Scrim. And what's your Tinder account? <laughs> it's a grander account, Joe. You should know. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> I forgot. <laughs> And uh, you can find me at uh, twitter.com slash filmilliterates, and you can follow my movie-watching habits, my movie journal, at uh, letterbox.com. I uh, search for the user uh, film underscore illiterate. Uh, that'll do for this episode. Keep watching movies and keep it easy.